You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, guys and gals. Um, obviously, we had some OTAs. We'll get into some talk of that. Um, we've gotten some more requests of some football terminology, and this is good. This is the this is the time of the year within the show to do that. So, you know, I, I have no problem bringing that in, you know, bringing that in the fold and in the equation here. Um, you know, everybody, you know, in this day and age, there's so many opportunities to get yourself more ed- educated towards the game. And which is why you see guys, you know, like me, like Pete, some other guys, where we get frustrated with some of the coverage you are given because it's not complete and a lot of it is, you know, shock jockish type of crap. And, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to that little fun one today. Uh, Doug Lee Maurice, uh, I ever see you, buddy. First couple of rounds, definitely on me, big guy. Great article today, by the way. Uh, so we're going to get into your daily delivery. Of all things, Dog Pound. Uh, Pete Smith in here. Um, guys, the new project, uh, as we mentioned yesterday, is up and running. Browns Maven, uh, that's what you would look for on Twitter. Uh, obviously, everything there will take you to the site. Um, he was able to put up uh, an audio piece today where it was, you know, just Pete giving his thoughts on, you know, Eric Berry, where that would fit in, how that would all work. And that was actually a neat little feature. Pete had mentioned, you know, last night he's going to be able to do some different things with this and give you content and, you know, uh, you know, several different avenues. So that was pretty cool to see that. Uh, there was another written piece up there today. So, uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, make sure you check out everything Pete's putting out over there because uh, looks to be a, a nice start for what he's going on. Um, Pete, uh, obviously, with that here, we'll get into rolling here. Um, you know, defensive line technique. Um, you know, and you know the numerical basically assigned to it, whether it's zero technique and so on and so forth. Um, people enjoyed, you know, obviously the breakdowns we gave as far as the linebacker position. I'm glad this is, you know, like I said, it's something we can do now. And anybody who's looking to understand more about the game, that's great, no problem. I mean, we're here for it. And look, I mean, if we've got the form and we've got 40 minutes plus a day or whatever, we're going to talk about it. You know, we'll find ways to put things in. But if this is something you guys want to talk about by all means we're going to go with it here with uh you know a defensive line and the numerical technique uh so the defensive line uh numbers there's numbers and there's letters um so we'll start with the numbers uh zero is literally over the center right down the middle uh head up on him uh one is the in between the center and the guard to either side uh, then you get to two, which is head up over the guard. And then this is where you start getting in letters. Two I means that you're slightly shaded uh, a little further outside of that. Um, or am I going the wrong way? I think I'm right. Yes. Anyway, three at that point is between guard and tackle. Uh, obviously, this is a big one for what the Browns do. Uh, yes, for you your know, fourth three that- teams. Yeah, I mean, that's that's that upfield penetrator shooting that gap between the guard and tackle. Uh, you know, obviously the one technique, the Browns generally run a, a one technique uh, nose guard that's trying to clog up that center and guard. Um, occasionally you'll see teams run double twos uh, to have heads up over the guard, try to get jams on those guys. And, you know, it's not as traditional anymore, but if you had a, you know, an old school mic that could, you know, take on a center like that, that would be an option. So continuing out there. Four technique is head up over the tackle. If there's a four I, he's slightly inside of that. So he can shoot that gap just a little bit. It's it's a real pain in the ass to deal with kind of what you would do with what you would do with Miles Garrett if you were gonna bring him inside a little bit. Yeah, so it, it, it's just inside of that, you know, uh, offensive tackle basically on his shoulder. And it's it becomes a, a, a difficult block 
uh, for guards trying to get out there and block to him, and it's it, it's enough of a pain in the ass for the tackle to have to go back and get him, depending on the blocking scheme. So if if Miles Garrett is on the you know the right side of the defense, which would be the left tackle, and he's slightly inside of that, and they're going to the left with a running play or something, and he's quick enough where he shoots that gap before that left guard can get out to him. The tackle's not going to be on him because he's probably going to shoot out left of him going to the next next guy. Then you have the potential to have Miles Garrett already in the backfield, so that becomes real pain in the ass. Five technique is outside the is the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. This is obviously a, a position that's you know very popular with base defensive ends, which is you know a traditional left end. Uh, and then teams that run, you know, that a, a traditional odd front scheme have their guys play various forms of four, four I or five, depending on the situation. Six, seven, eight, nine are where things get weird uh, because yeah. you know six, seven, and eight are they're all outside the tackle, but it changes up the order depending on where the tight end is. So you know, seven and eight are sort of flipped on where they're playing in the in the in regards to a tight end. And then nine, you know, the, if you ever hear that wide nine or just a nine technique, that is a guy who's outside of everything. Uh, you know, if, if there's a tight end there, he's outside shoulder. Uh, if there's nobody there, he's still out there. And it's, you know, trying to put that pressure on that offensive tackle to have to go out and get him, for example. So those are sort of the uh, the, the techniques uh, you know, the job can vary, uh, and there's obviously different ways you can do uh, even at the same technique. So not all three techniques are created equal. But if you're talking about from the Browns, typically, uh, you know, you want your one technique to be a little bit of a clogger. Uh, but you can't have him penetrate. Certainly Larry Ogajobi is qualified, capable of doing that, especially as a pass rusher. But the three technique, uh, you know, with Greg Williams and, and you know, certainly I expect Steve Wilkes to be this, and this is why you get Sheldon Richardson, is he's trying to get into the backfield. Uh, he can take on and clog if he needs to, to 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 play the run if guys can get on him. But if they don't, he's going to shoot in the backfield and try to blow the play up. So uh, so long as I didn't screw up the explanation on the 2i, which is uh, you know the, the one that's a little funky, uh, and, and I don't know how much NFL teams run it, but certainly it's something we see a lot in high school and I expect colleges, so I expect everybody uses it. 2i and 4i are where things get a little weird, but everything else is pretty standard as far as where defensive linemen tend to line up. Hey, you know, obviously your zero technique, you're talking, you know, this is what got Desmond Harrison the money he's making. Granted, he's not really doing that so much yes, more anymore. Yep, I mean, that's what got, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. Wrong. Oh, good lord. Yeah, I was gonna how say. You, bear, you how no dare? How dare I do that? Oh my good God. Damon. Damon yes, Snacks Damon Snacks Harrison, um, which made him a ton of money because he was physically that strong and that quick off the that, ball. And Dontari Poe is that's that's there what he was. He was the ultimate, you know, that zero tech type guy. Or uh, Chris Jenkins at the end of his career with the Jets. Certainly, Sean Rogers was a zero technique when he was with the Browns. Uh, Danny Shelton was initially, you know, zero. That's that's what that guy is. He's there to take on the center and be a, a big enough badass on the center to drive his ass in the backfield. If he doesn't get help, that he's going to blow up the play himself. Uh, but it's going to force them, you know, a perfect world. It's going to force them to bring in a guard to help out. You you have to have a guy who demands that double team. If you don't, that becomes a real problem. If, they, if because if, if if they can single block it with a center. 
or the guard, that means that the the guy who's not taking care of him immediately can get up to the second level and take out your Mike Backer. Yep. Uh, and, and now you're off to the races, which is why Sean Rogers drove me goddamn nuts because what he would do is he was going for the glory. So he would swim move by both guys, go into the backfield, be on the wrong side of the goddamn play, and then the center and guard would both be freed up to block two linebackers, and then it was off to the races while Sean Rogers was there. He'd blow up a couple plays and it would look great. But that's why Ataba Rubin was so much more consistent because he actually did his job where Sean Rogers would matador constantly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, if you're playing zero technique, it's, it's a take one for the team. It's eliminate that guy, and it's basically drawn up where you want your middle linebacker to make 130 tackles a year. But if you do it, obviously, like Sean, Pete was talking about with Sean Rogers, you split it, and now linemen are getting hands on linebackers. It's a seven-yard carry before he's even been confronted by a defensive player. Minimum. And that's not what you want to do. Obviously, you know, your three technique, Warren Sapp, you know, Larry Ogunjobi, which, you know, what makes Larry the special player it is. He is so great at it within the run game and can make plays, but you get more than that. Um, you know, what Larry does as a run defender is good enough. What makes Larry great and why me and Pete talk about it is because he can still get after the quarterback in those scenarios too, which is, you know, you have guys that can normally do the run defense, but the guys can get in the backfield. Um, An enormous luxury to have that. Oh, I mean, look, and, and you know, and uh, as we try to stress, it's as great as Miles Garrett is. You know, there's times with good outside pass rushers. You know, if you have good interior line play, you take your one step up, you take your crow hops up, and you go find your receiver. And if nothing's open big, you know that you hopefully you have a tight end or you have a running back in a kill situation where you at least can get a completed pass. And you know, you you put the onus on that guy to hopefully maybe make a tackle or two to make it more of a play. Um, when we when you get to the five and there's, I guess there's the five technique and there's maybe the five wide. The five wide would maybe be more to like the three four. This was, you know, the Jets were obviously ran this for years. This is when Muhammad Wilkerson was a good player, and it, it's weird because you know not every defensive end is the same, and that's one thing we try to tell you. You can be you know two sixty five and play in a four three. Um, you can't be two sixty five and play in a three four. It makes you a tweener. It makes you an odd fit. Kind of what we talk about with Chad Thomas. He's not heavy enough to be an interior guy. He's not athletic enough to be an outside guy. This is where Chad Thomas comes into a tweener. Um, if you're going to be the wide five technique in a you know, three four defense, you know you're 285. Uh, you know you're 290. Uh, if you're athletic enough, yeah. I mean you can be Mohammed Wickles and, and and carry around 300 pounds of weight as long as you're athletic enough. So there's it's. It, it, it's there's so much more that goes on than just defensive tackle, defensive end, and I was hope now hopefully we get you know gave you guys a little bit of the insight on it here, um you know for you know the Browns yeah it's you know a zero technique is not going to happen a lot it's you know it's going to be more of the actual numbers you know beyond well, zero is a number sorry to disrespect you zero, but uh, <laughs> as you move on um, that is you know part of it there with that guys iTunes rating reviews. Um, always help the show, uh, you know, please, you know, it, it draws new listeners in, uh, you know, we're going to continue to try to, you know, bring new faces in here, and this is time of the year where we can allow you guys to bring more of what you want to hear in the content, um, that you guys are looking for this time of year where we can allow you guys to bring more into it. Obviously, within the season, it's more structured. Obviously, you know, the Monday through, you know, obviously the post-game shows, it's all more structured. So, but iTunes, rating reviews, go ahead, leave a five-star written review, tell everybody all the great stuff going on over at Lockdown Browns. Well, Pete, we got to see it today. 
And um, I, I think Tony knows now. If he doesn't, I you know may who knows. Uh, but we, we talked about this last night. You got to see some of the firsts, and you got to see Odell, Odell in the Browns gear. You got to see Odell, and oh my good lord, Pete! Either Odell ran the route too fast, or Baker maybe has a little extra holiday weight on, and he was late with the throw. But you finally got to see it, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, wow, you know, it's you knew it existed, you kind of knew it was real, but when you actually get to put your eyes on it, you know, now it is, you know, there it is, it's he's here, which he wasn't supposed to be, or as far as some people are concerned. Uh, I've never seen so many articles, tweets from media members that seem to be directed at one person in my life. As a, as a Cleveland fan? I am telling you. Um, all right, but before you go, this is, guys, you have no idea. He is, as much as he's a fantastic player on the field, and, I, and I, I've, here in New Jersey, I lived this for five years, he is the ultimate lightning rod. And look, there are plenty of media members that go at it and make him the lightning rod because he is that incredible of a player. But there is, there's some that go at it with the wrong, wrong thought process where they want to make it look like he's the issue but he, i have you will n- you have no idea what you're about to go through with the coverage you get on Odell Beckham i, I i'm not sure there's another player in the NFL for the last 5 seasons who's been under the microscope for every single thing he does like Odell Beckham Jr is but go ahead Pete right so you know Tony Grossi's you know it's he sort of pers- he personifies a section of Browns fan the get off my lawn section. Yeah, of dude, I, I, I heard the words coming out of your mouth before you said them. He uh, and, and so there were a bunch of articles and tweets, you know, that w- may as well have just said, you know, directed right at Tony Grossi, but it obviously is covering a certain element of fans who believe in that sort of that that get off my lawn. You know, a guy who, you know, compared Baker Mayfield to Johnny Manziel, a guy who complained about the bandana at Pro Day, a guy who, you know, just if you don't do it his way, uh, whatever way he thinks that is, you know, it's wrong. It's it's it's, you know, it's disrespectful or dumb or whatever. And, you know, he he's made it a point to sort of be, you know, the guy's constantly sort of demanding Odell Beckham meet standards that he is setting, which no one else cares about. Uh, He's not dating your granddaughter, Tony, so just let it freaking go. (laughs) So, like, this whole thing started about, you know, uh, Grossi basically, you know, being mad, you know, unhappy at the idea that Beckham wasn't at the Browns facility for many camps, uh, even though Jarvis Landry wasn't there either, and it was only focused on Odell Beckham, and and certainly I, I understand that part of it, like Odell Beckham's the big star and all this other stuff, but it's just just pointing it out that it's focused on one and not on another. I could give a shit about either one, uh, but, yeah. But then you know another thing where it's you know there was a tweet basically there there has been a series of tweets and clips on shows i don't listen to or anything else but you know sort of get shown to me or retweeted on my timeline or whatever that are basically you know these old man yells at cloud style tweets where you know it got to it was to the point of like you know 
asking if Odell Beckham was going to be there, you know, for OTAs. And here he is at OTAs, and you got a bunch of tweets. And and, and in the case of Doug Lamarice, an entire article, uh, look, this is voluntary, and he's here. Shut up. And that's exactly what it should be. And, you know, and on the thing of it is, which, you know, is frustrating, is it's really good for everyone. Um, it's really good for Grossi to be on his sort of old man yells at cloud because there is a market for it, clearly. Yo, no, no uh, doubt. Whether, whether it's people who agree with him or people who don't and pay attention to it because he says this stuff. Meanwhile, the other side of this gets to sort of a referee like Mary Kay Cabot did in the case of, you know, did, did she write something basically discussing Odell Beckham's mental health or something or something basically keeping score on that thing. And then you get all these other people in this case, Doug Lee Maurice, who's now writing an article to basically tell that uh, particular section of fan fandom to relax and shut up, which appeals to his section of fandom, which is certainly more reasonable and optimistic and excited about what's going on and, and sort of that side. So there is a place for everyone. Um, you know, and that's sort of where this thing's at. Like, I, I, again, this is not something that has happened with the Cleveland Browns because they've been shitty for 20 years. And there hasn't been this thing where people are like, it's not even a question of like, Grossi saying somebody's some the team is going to suck or or obnoxious, but at the same time, it's fuels a ton of content for everybody for business on that end. It's it's not uh, the worst in the world, but it so it's made an impact on us. Uh, but if, on the other hand, if you go to Bronze Maven, there is none of this shit because I don't care. It's voluntary mini camp. It's great that he's there, and the clip you're seeing of him catching. Odell Beckham uh, catching a pass from Baker Mayfield is exactly what they should be doing, which is working on timing everything else right. This is what you want. Uh, which you is know. probably why he's there. Uh, he wouldn't probably, you know, I mean, if he were in his sixth year and Baker were in his second, Odell probably wouldn't be. Um, but it's it's a new situation, and and it's and with Odell, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy, and it drove me crazy here with this because. And, and and I will give this to the Cleveland media. There is a lot. It's not as bad as it was here in New York. It's a lot more of younger in understanding that you know if it's voluntary, you know yes, it's okay if you're not here because you want to know what nobody wants to see anybody with an Achilles, an ACL, any of that crap when the term voluntary is involved. You do not want that. But it's these people want to label this kid like he doesn't put in the work. And that's the part that drives me bat shit crazy. This guy is 100% about the game. He's 100% about the sport. I think part of it is is because he is an absolute star. Um, part of that, A, is due to his play. Part of that is because he made that one-handed catch against the Dallas Cowboys, and the NFL said, put this freaking everywhere. And guess what happened? Next week, when Odell went out, and scored more touchdowns. The week after that, he went out and scored more and more and more and more and more. This kid, he just did his job. It, it, you know, the, 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 the star finds you. You don't make yourself a star. People anoint you a star. And that's what happened with Odell. And I think part of it and the problem issue was with the New York Giants and some of the writers is, well, I, you know, Eli Manning will sit down and have a cup of coffee and share some stories with us. Well, that's fantastic, but 
it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. It's just because one player kissed your ass as opposed to one player gave you a minute and a half of his time, which is essentially all acquired, required to do. And then there was the whole thing of, well, uh, he likes to go out to the clubs. And, really? 23 years old. Him and his buddies like to go out on Friday night, which is a normal night out for NFL players. Wow. Oh, my God. Imagine that. A guy with a boatload of money wants to go out on Friday night with his friends and have a good time. It's it, it's. And that's where I, 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 I'm, I'm going to hate to see if this goes that route. And I know there's some where they've already got their flag planted. And like we said with Tony, tomorrow it's probably going to be visors, Pete. Because, um, you know, I saw your tweet where it was, yes. is this the new bandana? Um, the bandana well, visors. Yes. Well, yeah, because Odell's was rainbow. It was, a, it was a rainbow visor. And Baker's, you know, had the smoke going on. Oh, no, oh my God, Pete. we we, we got to, you know, put the kids away. They can't be seeing this stuff. Well, it's not even part of it is laziness. Part of it, you know, that's but but there is all. And, but and I mean, is, but is he willing to adapt? And some of these, some others, well, like no, are they the willing answer, to adapt? Because no. you got to put in more work now. You can shoot off your jokes when your team sucks that you're covering, and you still get paid. But and we talked about this a million times, Pete. What are these guys going to do when the product is good? And here we are. But part of this is, you know, beyond the lazy component involved, it is also by virtue of what you're trying to do as a writer is you, you know, for some of them is you're trying to put guys in boxes. Um, And it's easier to do that than make them individual. So Odell Beckham, by virtue of being a prima donna and aloof and all these other things, well, that must also mean he's not a guy who's going to work hard. You know, there's no gray area everybody's got to be black and white you've got to make heroes and villains and you've got to have you know protagonist antagonist like sort of that type of thing so that's the stage where they're at with this and this is 100 percent what happened with baker mayfield is they put him in a box immediately he didn't do anything other than you know he had the issue with the uh you know where, where he had the uh arrest where he's drunk and and obviously all that stuff, but it was immediately put him into Baker Mayfield. When you compared like the amount of stuff they'd actually done, you know, Baker Mayfield had a list, you know, umpteen miles long, and Baker Mayfield had like, this one incident. Uh, he, you know, everything else about them was completely different, but they were, you know, similar size. They both played in offenses that were spread out. You know, Grossi is convinced that both played the Big Twelve. Uh, <laughs> And you, you, that's the thing is you put them in a box and then you ride with that box. So that's what happened with Baker Mayfield. And, and you still have people still, you know, fighting that uh, that initial characterization by some people to make him into something. And, and Baker Mayfield is obviously hates that, as you can see him, you know, on part of it, he's very comfortable with being himself. On the other hand, he, he it really bothers him. Uh, as you can see with him and Colin Cowherd, he really hates being misrepresented, or what he feels is being misrepresented. Um, and which is okay. He, which, yeah, that's fine. It's At just, the end of the day, you know, I mean, because this is, and this is somebody on a national stage trying to label you, or you're using the term "put you in a box." And yeah, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I mean, if it's me, it pisses me off. There's no so, way around it. Anytime you see Baker Mayfield, you know quote-unquote, clap back at somebody, it 100% is about how they've characterized him, either in that moment or in the past. You can, every time it's been an analyst who's doubted him, 
or somebody, you know, calling him out for something, or in the case of Grossi, where this is sort of a running bit, or now with Colin Cowherd, it's because it, it just all tracks to the same thing. He feels like he's being misrepresented or being put in a light. He doesn't feel as accurate to who he is. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, there there, there will come a point where you basically got to get over it uh, and, and just move on. But that is where he's at. And, and I think uh, Jarvis Landry, in some respects – at that press conference was fighting back against the notion about certain things with regards to that. And now you're seeing this with Odell Beckham where we're doing the same dance and Odell Beckham at one point clapped back. Uh, and, and I don't know if that will continue or not, but it, the other part of this is you also have Freddie Kitchens who put, you know, without saying their names was 100% talking to two people at, at, at the presser when he dressed down the media about dividing his locker room. It was directed 100% at Tony Grossi and Mary Kay Cabot. Full stop, period. Uh, they, they will not divide his locker room. They will not, you know, he will not deal with questions that are going to force him to try to, you know, give them a way to sort of put a wedge in these things. And that's sort of what the Browns are fighting against at the same time where they're dealing with the same thing you're seeing when he, you know, this all started with the idea of expectations. This is what got him on this tangent is the whole thing dealing with expectations and, and, you know, them setting expectations Him basically saying that's all bullshit. It's, we haven't done anything yet. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. So that's where it all comes back. And, and, and the writers who get it, and are not going to put him in boxes or media members, and we're going to take the time to sort of understand or at least take the time to be open-minded about who they are as people, they're going to probably be more successful. There are still going to be people who buy into this shit. You know, again, Grossi has a job. Uh, he is asked to be to have opinions. He comes out and has them, and, and evidently there's enough people that listen to it or or – Pay attention to it that it's worth keeping him employed. If it wasn't, they wouldn't. So that is sort of where this whole thing is at. Uh, and and the other part of this, and you're seeing this, and I think Mary Kate Cabot has taken the brunt of this the most, uh, other than Grossi because he's just sort of a – he's almost like a meme at this point, is – But remember, and, and just when you get through this, I, it started last year. I don't play golf. No, yes. I don't play golf. I mean, it's like, you know, so, you know, if Tony, if you were asking, you know, I mean, and he, I don't think he realizes how far away he is from the players he's covering, which is a big part of it. And, you know, uh, you know, they would sit down and talk music and yeah, these guys would rattle off 12 artists that Tony Gross has never heard of. But this is, it's part of the gig. If you want to be good at it, adapt and you got to understand what the stars that you're covering make them tick. But you've seen, you know, Mary Kay Cabot take a, the brunt of what people feel is either unfair or mischaracterization, mischaracterization or focusing on negatives and stuff to the point where that one article after the Ravens game where they she led with or, or whoever said it, uh, said it, I don't know if it was her, I'm assuming it was her, but it could have been somebody else. Uh, you know, they, you know, not everybody makes their own headlines, but the idea that, you know, the, the Browns lost this game and, you know, Baker, you know, Browns lose to Ravens, 
Mayfield throws three interceptions or whatever it was. Something to the effect of of focusing on the three interceptions in the headline. And it got to the point where, you know, the the blowback was so bad that they took it down and sort of retitled it to be more, I guess, you know, whether you want to call it accurate or more positive or whatever, you're already seeing that impact. And that's where you're going to have to see if some of these people are willing to sort of adapt and adjust. It's much easier to cover a shitty team. It's very hard, very difficult, as you've seen. Look at the difference. Uh, the Indians Raiders, obviously, but more so with the Cavs. And when you had LeBron James here and what that did to sort of the level – of talent that was covering uh, covering the Cavs, uh, they had you know multiple multiple outlets had more than one writer dedicated to just covering the Cavs, just you know in in some cases basically just covering LeBron James, and then he leaves. You not only have uh, you know some of those people actually get jobs elsewhere. Most of them were able to stay, but that's not was not initially what was thought to happen. Obviously, uh, Jason Lloyd ended up going to the Athletic. Uh, which is great, but that's sort of what happened is the, the Cavs went into the tank, you know, and the coverage dissipated. You know, people want, you know, there are better competitive jobs. There are better opportunities to cover, you know, great players. In one case, one of those writers went and, you know, went to Los Angeles to cover LeBron James. So when you're good, you're going to have more people and more opportunities to get better talent in and the market is going to sort of dictate what people want. And if people can't adapt, they're going to have to get in more people. And you've already seen one in one case, this already happened. And I don't know if this is specifically, you know, the situation, uh, obviously Pat McManaman, uh, you know, working for ESPN proper, not ESPN Cleveland. Those are two different entities. One is, has the name and just still really that local entity. And the other is full on ESPN, uh, which is what McMahon was working for. And I don't know if they've announced who's replacing him, but they have moved on. And my assumption will be, it will be a younger writer, uh, and somebody who's, uh, you know, far better in terms of understanding numbers and stuff like that, as opposed to sort of a, an old school ink stained wretch, like McManum was sort of uh, raised to do. So that, you know, that is one small example, but that is, you know, what we could see in terms of evolving this. And, you know, the other, the other natural extent to that is NFL Network and ESPN and all those companies and CBS Sports and, and Yahoo and whoever the hell else, there are going to be more national people in here. And I think so far every press conference that they've had, they've had at least one national person. Aditi's here all the time now. Uh, Kim Jones is going to be another one. I'm telling you, Kim right Jones now. is here all the time because she has a relationship with Odell Beckham, and and I don't think you know maybe the media has the the, the people who are here have sort of you know under, trying to talk themselves into the idea of understanding what this is going to be like. I don't think they have any idea what that first day of actual training camp is going to be like. That first you know how many people are going to be there and how difficult it is and how crowded that media tent is going to be for questions it's not going to be waiting for Mary Kay Cabot and Tony Grossi to take their turns it's going to be you better have something good to say or those other people in there are going to be pissed because they're trying to make deadline and try to you get set it. for live uh live reports and all that stuff and it's going to be a different deal it's and you know and and I'll just go from the standpoint of this 
Um, guys, obviously, you know, a bunch of you listened um, through the 17th season when, uh, you know, I started, I believe it was September 20th, covering this team daily. And once we started talking after the 2018 draft, and it was Baker, and it was Denzel, and it was Nick, and just the absolute enthusiasm in talking about the product, and granted, it started a little slow, and there was still, you know, the, the Hugh being here hangover of it, and then once the jet game went down, and it, it, you got to start to see where this could go and what this could be, and if you're, you know, and if you're doing this, you know, and look, and for me and Pete, we're not doing this where it's the sole thing that is providing, you know, for Pete, for for me, for me and my family. But when you see now that the energy level is picked up, the excitement's picked up. Um, for them, this is what they do. So why not embrace it? And why look to? I mean, if you can't see it and you have as much access as them. But Pete and I, who do not have that access, and we see it, you just there's so many people who, and you and look, I mean, Twitter-wise, and all these websites that are all over that cover these teams, there are so many guys that know the draft. They know almost every NFL roster. They know there are so many people chomping at the bit for an opportunity that folks like this have, and they don't want to give in the other effort. And that's kind of what chaps are ass about it. Um, is because A, they won't put in the work, and, and maybe it's B, is because they haven't put in the work that they don't realize what's here right now. So that is, that's the part that's frustrating about it. And if this team should, if this team is going to do what it should do, you all deserve better. And I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, Aditi's going to come in. Kim Jones is going to come in. And it's going to be really interesting how Mary Kay and Tony handle it when they're fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh banana. Because if ESPN's coming in, NFL Network's coming in, guess what? Cleveland Plain Dealer, you, you're, I mean, you're going to get knocked down the peg. So either step up or just deal with the ramifications of it. But, I mean, this product, this team, it's it's diverse with the personalities they have. You got a guy like Odell who's you know mainstream and cool. And then you have a guy like Miles who is just... All around awesome, like almost like a renaissance, like a, a 2019 renaissance man. You have Baker, who's everything you would look for in a franchise quarterback, but carries a little chip on his shoulder because of the fact that he was really good, and everybody looked at him along the way and said, well, it's six feet, it's six feet, it's six feet, it's six feet, until it was just finally like, I've blown you, you know, like he came in with a resume that just blew you away, where it's, I don't care if you're six feet. That's how freaking good you are, and God bless John Dorsey for that one. Thank God. Um, so that's where we are with that. Um, we got some listener questions here, and um, one of them is actually going to be a little t- tied into uh, as Pete gets to the uh, Blue Chew live read here. But this is a fun one from Matthew Darcy, but we'll get to it right after Pete's read. Uh, you know, speaking of, you know, old hack, shall we say, Flaccid reporting. Um, let's talk about sex. Uh, you know, with the NBA draft lottery, you know, your opportunity to be win the draft lottery every night. Uh, Blue Chew. Blue like the color. Uh, Blue tr- Chew brings you the first chewable uh, with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And... 
Since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill, so you can be re- ready anytime you want. So it's up to you. Do you want to be sitting at the end of the lottery, or do you want to be that the dude who wins the lottery? Uh, let's uh, make sure we're, we're taking care of business in that department. And we are up and ready for this Brown season as opposed to, you know, just hanging out, waiting for it to come and, and, and taking the lazy route. Be proactive. Do the right thing. Do the right thing for the spouse. Make her happy. She'll make you happy. Um, use the promo code Locked On, And, guys, don't be the first. Uh, don't be the fourth or fifth guy drafted from Duke. Be Zion Williamson. Be the star of the lottery in the bedroom. Be there for the missus. Uh, thanks, Blue Chew, for sponsoring Locked on Browns. Which brings us to our question from our good buddy, uh, Matthew Darcy. Um, and, uh, of course, now, of course, I lost it here. And, actually, Matthew was smart. And this is where you get yourself in here. And this is where you get these questions mixed in. This is a great job. Obviously, 2019 Predictive Awards, the Blue Chew Award, Pete, for the most improved performance, Antonio Callaway, Larry Ogunjobi, Joe Schobert, as examples, the Blue Chew for the guy who stepped up for the 2019 Cleveland Browns. That's a good question. Uh, Matthew's, Matthew's good. Him and Gio, they're good. They bring it. That's tough. Like, I want to say Antonio Callaway, but it's just a question of opportunity. So the guy I'll go with, and, you know. By the way, perhaps, that, tw- that tweet with Leicester today was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, the, the hope is that, it, you know, it, it, just a matter of health, that it'll be J.C. Treader. I, you know, I think, I continue to believe that if he can get through a season without somebody falling on him, he will have some sort of postseason honor, whether that's a trip to the Pro Bowl or some all-something team, whether it's you know most improved or PFF something or other. It, it you know I don't Pro Bowl doesn't mean a ton to me, but some let's, sort of recognition. And let's hope he's not going to it anyway. He's got other plans. Right, uh, but I, I th- that's the guy where it's like he plays up to it, uh, and he was you know a top ten center this past year on one leg. You know, you blue chew that other leg right up, and <laughs> hopefully he, he gets to be the full J.C. Treader. And that, you know, I, again, I think that could be one of the one of the better centers in the league, uh, maybe top five this year. Uh, you know, if you're giving him the ability to drive block properly, uh, in addition to being able to get good pass sets and being able to do the things he does well, like pull, which is obviously a luxury to have as a center, I, I think he's the guy who stands out as you know, God knows he deserves it. You know, he's had two seasons basically ruined by guys falling on him, and he, you know, I think informed by that and 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 afraid of that because he lost a, a start a shot at a starting job one time with it with the Packers to Corey Lindsley, which is ultimately how he ended up here. That I think that was part of the reason he refused to come off the field last year is he yep. is painfully aware of what happens. Uh, if you aren't out there and, you know, this was an injury where he could play through. It's not a broken bone where, you know, he was out for a, uh, a bunch of weeks for that. So I think a healthy J.C. Treader is the guy that I think will have the biggest improvement. Uh, you know, I, I don't yeah, – I'm not going to poo-poo your pick on J.C. Treader. And I completely 100% because you know, with J.C. Treader this already happened once. And I think J.C. Treader understands the – 
slogan of as far as you know being an NFL player and whether or not you're going to make money is your best ability always as we know is your availability so you know now that he's gotten the taste of it here and he's been here a couple of years and now it was 0-16 to 7-8-1 and and hey look I got a really good guy number six behind me uh it seems the more and more we get into this uh I'm I'm planting my flag on on Antonio Callaway um you know Will I buy a little insurance on planting this flag? Because, you know, you, you have to bring that up with Antonio. But you, you look at this. First things first, he's playing with a quarterback. He has never even come close to skill-wise. Florida quarterbacks don't exist there a- anymore. It's, you know, you know, still a regarded SEC school. But he's got a guy in Baker where if he does everything right in uh, asked of his assignment, he'll get his shot. And the more I look at this, and you look at just the natural and raw ability, he can do things Higgins can't. He can do things Jarvis Landry can't. And it's David Njoku, it's Odell Beckham, and uh, the key here is Antonio is the cheapest puppy in the market of all of these guys. Um, it, it just, the more and more I go on to this and I think about this, I think Antonio Callaway could have a ridiculously good season. And, you know, obviously Odell is going to help him with that. David Njoku is going to help him with that. Baker is going to assist him with that. But it's still going to come down to him making the plays when it's called upon him and the ball is thrown to him. I, I just think the opportunity is there for Antonio Callaway to blue chew his way to possibly the number two wide receiver position going into 2020. Because I honestly think, and we've talked about this, you can go Landry, Richard, and Antonio. You know, you know who the one is. The rest is you just put them in a group and and look, there's nothing wrong with that because it's going to be a damn solid group. And that will also bring us, Pete, to the second part of Matthew's question. The Zip Recruiter Award. The best new player, trade or draft. I mean, this is what you you, you go out, you look, you, you do your homework, you acquire. You know, is it Olivier Vernon? Would it be a Sheldon Richardson? Would it be, you know, Odell? I think we'll take Odell out of the mix. It's just too stinking easy, obviously. Greedy Williams, uh, maybe it'll be a battle between two guys here. But go ahead, Pete, you're up first. Uh, I'm gonna take Sheldon Richardson all day. I, and not I only not only do I think he's gonna be great, I, I I just think it's gonna be a matter of seeing the difference um, when you go from uh, Trevon Coley to Sheldon Richardson. I, I just don't know how. But much he's, he- he's he's Larry. Him and Larry, they're literally like they're like the freaking road warriors. Like they they both are the same dude. They can do everything you ask and give you that much more. Now, if they want to bust out some shoulder pads, that'd be interesting. Um, Little spikes on it'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, it's been come done, on, but... somebody who's listening, come on, uh, Browns therapy, where are you? Go ahead, photo, you Photoshop that in. Uh, Sheldon I, Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi, make them the like, road warriors. Olivier Vernon should be outstanding, but I, again, it just comes down to. Your preference, uh, you know, Pete. Your preference is interior. Go ahead. Tell them. It's well, okay. It's fine. Closer There's to the ball, wrong more likely to make an impact. But, yes. but part of this is, you know, the people frustrated with the run defense last year. Obviously, he's going to be a big part of that. But being able to get that pressure on the interior alongside Larry Ogunjobi, I, I just think, you know, it's going to – like I, 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 I've said I, – I, I, in fact, I, I predicted it last year. Uh, I, I – 100% believe Miles Garrett has a hundred or a uh, 20 sack season in him. Uh, it's just a question of when it's going to happen. And I think getting a guy like, uh, you know, obviously Olivier Vernon's a big part of that, but I, I think getting a guy like Sheldon Richardson and his ability to 
pressure the interior where you don't give a quarterback an exit and and you're now putting it in a position where Garrett can be more often potentially chasing a guy from behind that looks like a freaking animal attack uh chasing down prey uh that that would be a big reason why Garrett is able to get that 20 sack season in addition to you know his own improvement being able to stay out of being blocked and those type of things but yeah Sheldon Richardson for me I you know I I, I it's an enormous move. And again, I've talked about this, uh, you know, as, as, as groundbreaking a move as Odell Beckham is, I, I think Sheldon Richardson is just as important for the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, and you're, you're closer to getting me to, but the thing is it's three to four steps from destruction as opposed to five to seven when you're coming from the outside. Um, look, Sheldon, it's, it's weird because once they, made the acquisition for Odell, it seems like everybody kind of forgot about the Sheldon Richardson acquisition. And it's not that he's just a defensive tackle. He can do whatever you ask. And that is the incredible part of Sheldon is he has that diverseness and flexibility on the defensive line to pretty much do anything. We talked about the technique things before. Sheldon can do all it. He really can. He can be the wide yeah. nine of a stand-up edge. He has done those things, yeah. It's, it's done it, it all. Which, which is why it's freaky, the idea that you get Joe McCoy, because you know one of the reason, one of the things that I, I remember watching was Gerald McCoy play freaking rush end in the national championship game at Oklahoma. They're both guys who can literally put up and down the entire line and just let them do things because they're just freaky, freaky people. Oh, and, you know, look, I mean, and that's when you're talking D-line, you just want to add freaks. Um, I'll go with Olivier Vernon here, and the reason I'll go with him is he's going to be the fourth option when they are the opposing offenses are setting up what they're doing. First things first, we got to take care of Miles. Okay, these guys, and this is probably the way most you know offensive rooms and, and coaching staffs in the NFL think now is, all right, if it's Sheldon Richards and Larry Ogunjobi, you know, it's not that I can take one out because if I take one out, the other one's going to kill me. How do I take both out? If I take out Olivier Vernon, this could be. Now, here was a guy who you know got himself to a seventy-five million dollar contract, where he is now going to be the fourth best starting defensive lineman on this team. It it should be cake for him. It should be. You know, I mean, there'll be times where it, you know it could be an extra tight end. Um, all he's got to do is stay healthy, Olivier Vernon, and he should walk himself into easily an eight to ten tax se- eight to ten tax season, because the pressure is going to be towards the other three guys. It's just the way you're going to have to do it, and you know, a lot of times you say, "Oh, well, you should be able to block four with five. Not when this is the four you're talking about. And Olivier Vernon, if you're going to give him one on ones, seventy five percent of the time. He's going to hit on a bunch, a bunch of those. So, Olivier Vernon, this should be a, a, a very easy season for him because he's not going to be the guy they're looking to take. And he's got the athleticism where he can do more than that. He can play some run. He can chase downfield a little bit if he's got to. It's it, it, This defensive line is going to be fun. It's, it's going to be crazy, crazy, crazy fun. Um, one more from... Um, unicorn killer, uh, my buddy, uh, NBC Baptist, bro, hang in there, hang in there. Um, the question, and this maybe has some Gerald McCoy feel to it. Was it wise to not add a run stuffing defensive tackle this draft period? 
Uh, my well, that might be, be Cooley. That might be. I mean, Coney. Yeah, I mean, you know, you maybe have one or two of those guys around here for the minimal reps they're gonna see. My answer would be no, but I mean, you know, this is the ultimate. We'll see. You know, a lot depends on Carl Davis, and it's also possible that they could go get somebody, you know, that's released or make a trade or something that 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 uh, type of move to upgrade it. I just, to me, I think it's unwise by virtue of the fact that, you know, you're basically right now. Anyway, you're looking at this. If Carl Davis can't do it, you got nobody and you didn't even sign anybody undrafted free agent wise. You know, maybe the kid out of Minnesota is a nose tackle, but you didn't do anything in college. So um, that's my frustration with it. I think, you know, if nothing else, you should have done more to push and maybe you find something that's better or you get the best out of Carl Davis or whatever. You know, there's not enough known in terms of what happened last year and why he only played 39 snaps. Uh, But that is, you know, that's the problem is you're left with 39 snaps and you're saying that is the current plan, which is terrifying. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, look, uh, you know, that's where McCoy seems to be something key. And, you know, Tampa, look, I mean, Three and thirteen, two and fourteen. You may be headed there anyway, so you know. Uh, and you like have no cap space, so two and fourteen. Really? Come on! They're not good. Who's good on that team besides besides Mike Evans? Mike you just, Evans. You Chris just lost Godwin. Okay, who's throwing the ball? Uh, look, I, Tampa. I'm 100%. And man, it hurts me to say this. Jameis was my boy, but Jameis and Marcus Mariota. You don't think either one of these teams are saying, "All right, well, who's in the 2020 NFL draft at the quarterback position?" I think they, I think both should be on the lookout. But I'm just, you know, neither James one of these guys has got a James, contract. Jameis Win, you know, 100. Jameis Winston is extremely inconsistent and oftentimes bad. But his "chuck it up and see what happens" mentality also has the potential to bl- blow up in his favor from time to time. They're, but Fitzpatrick was better with it. That's fine. They're still not two and fourteen. Come on. Who's the running backs? Uh, they got Ronald. Jo- the, the, let's put it okay. In. It's, <laughs> Next, it's it's it's, it's uh, Stephen Thomas's boy who needs to bail that team out this year at running back and Ronald Jones. Uh, and they got somebody else. I know they added another dude third round. I think uh, that they didn't draft a running back, Pete. Oh well, Ronald Jones and whoever the hell they have there. No, yeah. and I and I like Rojo too coming out. But I mean, you had like 143 total yards as a rookie. That's not going to cut it. Um, Vernon Hargraves, he was too good to show up for OTAs today. <laughs> this team is not good on paper, oh, and Devin no, White not, at five not, is not going to save it. Let's not make the mistake of saying, "Well, he didn't show up to OTAs, so he must be." But bad. it's different. He's not good. <laughs> He got his option picked up, didn't he? Like, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying, didn't they pick up his option? They may uh, have, but Devin White isn't going to save this from well, drafting the, the, at fifth the, the year before. The thing that puts their season in doubt right now is JPP situation. That's 100. percent He's not playing this year. Well, and, that's and, what I'm and, and this is one we never got to. How well, crazy! Mike Evans, uh, oh, Mike Evans Godwin, is a freaking Cameron great. They have at least one more receiver who I'm not thinking of. They have OJ. Those guys Paramount. alone are worth goddamn wins. Yes, but even still, that's going to get you to a bunch of 35 to 24 losses. Tampa is not good. I'm not. I, look, I, I agree. I think they are a third or fourth place team in that division. Uh, okay, so then that puts you in top five in the draft again. 
but you drafted a middle linebacker, so kudos to that. That was not 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 smart. Yes, I mean you know because you had that going for you. Um, Two and fourteen. I'm telling you, I don't think they're good. I, I think they're terrible. I think I think I think three guys out there shooting a water balloon slingshot can get that team to three wins. I mean they, they they've got the Dante Culpepper theory working right now. You're asking for some of the, the you know look right that your receiver group is good, but if you don't have the dude, it's an issue. And Bruce Arians, you know, oh he only wanted to coach for a couple of years. Well. And he wanted to coach a winner. Oh, it's, it's a one-year deal. That's a hundred percent one year. If Jameis can't play, I cannot see him getting another one. No, and he's you know he's probably looking for his you know spot in Del Boca Vista. This is this is an annuity. It's not really a, a coaching gig. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I think, in my opinion, all right. Well, let's go with this then. Pete, who drafts number one or number two in the twenty twenty NFL draft? Who's worse off than Tampa? <sighs> See, now no, it no. I, the other thing is the team I want to bet on for that. No, I'm, I'm saying screw it. Buffalo is going to be the worst team in the league. I, they had oh. their Tony Tony Soprano year. Uh, I think the Ronnie Brown offense gets absolutely decked this year, and that team doesn't win dick. That's that's a tough one. All right, so then who would be two? Let's see who else is really Arizona could be a disaster. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Blake Murphy, who was a great dude as far as the football Twitter community, and he had something up there today, and I think he said like seven and nine, eight and eight, and I was like, what? What? I mean, they are could... one. They are look. This is a first. This is assuming that the the fact that the dude is like five nine in the pocket. Uh, doesn't come back to haunt them. He is one hit away. Who is the backup quarterback right now for the Cardinals? Does it matter? No, that's the <laughs> point. They did. They, they have. A, oh really, wait a minute! It, Isn't it? It's Hundley. Is that it? Did they get? Did they get? Uh, Brad Hundley, slightly older Sean Kaiser. Yes. They like their line isn't that much better. So if he takes one awkward hit or starts to slow down at the course of the year or middle of the year, or God forbid he gets injured early in the year, that team is over. They're not going to win a damn thing. They've got a bunch of weapons they're counting on. Their defense is not bad. It's it's not good, but it's not bad. They've got at least got dudes at every level who can do something. But that team is in a world of hurt. Uh, the Bengals could easily – look, I, I think the Bengals will be competitive, but they're, they're a team that's like a an injury away from being the – the cellar dweller, like imagine if Andy Dalton goes down, and I'm not saying Andy Dalton is good, but if you're back to a world where it's Ryan fin- uh, Ryan Finley or uh, Jeff Driscoll, baby, Jeff Driscoll, he actually know, hung last year though. He did. Against, uh, you're yeah, not going to win, but he'll hang. Browns fans thought Jeff Driscoll was solid. Bengals fans think that dude's a receiver. Uh, there are a bunch of awful, awful. Carolina is a bad football team, straight up. I don't see where the future is with Carolina. I, that, like, I, I, that's is Cam why I, healthy? Is Cam healthy? That'll be the interesting part. Well, even if he is, what is that offense? Well, you got McCaffrey. You got your boy DJ Moore. Sure. Samuel, are you healthy? I mean, can he play a full season? I don't know. You're going to say Carolina? Are you, you you drafted Brian Burns. Um, yeah, and, and I think Brian Burns will be fine, but I do think that first year is going to be 
a big adjustment for him. He may get a few sacks, but I also think he's going to find some games where he just gets absolutely mauled. Like I, I, I think they need to use him like the queen in chess. Like, all right, here should be the easy. You get a, a close to a free rush. Right. I could see him having like a two and a half sack game or a couple multi sack games, and I could see him be blanked for like seven games in a row. It's just the nature of the beast and him getting used to it. His speed is going to be a weapon. His ability to bend is going to be a weapon. He, Like I said, he may have a, a Cameron Wimbley type rookie year uh, at the same time, you know, but hopefully can can make that next move the following year. But I also think he's going to just have a, a, an enormous dry spells. And I, I think Cam Wimbley finished with like 11 sacks as that rookie year. Uh, you know, and it has a solid career, but I, I just think he's going to have some trouble. I, I, I see how theoretically it works for Carolina, I, but I don't believe in Cam Newton. I, I, I didn't believe in him when he was 100%. I sure as shit don't believe in him when his arm is questionable. He, he, you know, I, I, McCaffrey's great. I love DJ Moore. I just don't see it. And that's why I think Carolina and Tampa could be going mano a mano for that last place spot. Uh, you know, there there are teams that are just awful. Um I th- but Pete, I, I think we're going to kill this here because I think we have may have found a good segment for tomorrow, and it's with more research. Pete and I giving you the top five teams. We'll get. Well, I, I'm saying we'll go order one through five. Oh, well, I've, you know who I've uh, completely forgotten is the New York Giants. They're garbage. <laughs> what do you? Oh God! All right, we can't. We can't. Can't give it all away. But we're going to do some more home. We'll agree. Really, both teams that play in New Jersey are garbage. Uh, well, the other team is a year away. They, they're a year away. Look. They're a year away from being a year away. Ja'Kai Polite, if they hit, if they hit, if they hit on it, if they hit on it, it's a big, look, it's a big if. I'm not saying it's not. It's a big if. But if, if he turns into something, he's their second pass. If he, if he could turn out to be the second pass rusher for that team, they don't have the first one. Look, all I've said here with the New York Jets is this. If your season hinges on Ja'Kai Polite, you're in a bad spot. Yeah, he's probably not the guy you want to uh, you know, put the investment on. Um, so, guys, look, you already got ideas, uh, guys and gals, for what we're going to bring you tomorrow night because uh, Pete and I will agree on a number tomorrow. But uh, now that both of us have our juices flowing, we're definitely going to do our work tomorrow morning and get into this. Um before we go, Pete, nothing, right? We didn't miss nothing, right? Everything's smooth. Everybody's still healthy. Um, guys, uh, and here was the thing. Duke Johnson's not going to work out. Um, maybe with Duke coming late last night, uh, and maybe the reason he wasn't working out today, you got to get your physical to get cleared. Um, but apparently he's going to be on the field tomorrow. Again, that is still the ultimate 50-50 wild card, so we'll see how that it, plays out. Whether he's working out or not, the fact that Duke Johnson is there is important. Yep. If you're if you're trying maybe to he's give, the whole Duke Johnson thing, because maybe he's given up the hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to get my wish. Um, so I'll go be a part of something that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent. I think I, I think if if you're trying to read anything into that, the fact that he's at the facility is important. And and that's the thing. I mean, yeah, as much as he would like a bigger role, um. It, it, this isn't a bad spot to be right now, and even if it's a limited role for however long continue he stays around here, it's not going to be bad to say, you know, for teams are going to be looking in on what Cleveland's doing, and if Cleveland's looking to move on from a guy, 
it's now going to be a place where you're going to look to maybe take talent out of. Um, Browns Maven, uh, you know, Pete's new project, obviously the, uh, you know, the uh, new labor of love for him. So, uh, guys, check everything out over there. Um, you're going to get several different types. You can get long form. You can get short form. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, he put out, you know, uh, it was about almost about a two-minute, you know, uh, audio segment just about, you know, Eric Berry, which still, guys, you know, from everybody I we can talk to, it's it's a strong possibility. Um, we all know these people, you know, if you have guys that you trust, you're always going to looking to go the extra mile for them. So, you know, that could be a possibility. But check out everything over at Browns Maven. Go ahead, uh, you know, register. They have like a, a message board type of thing in comments or whatever, and, you know, check it out. Uh, but, you know, the content there, you know, obviously, I mean, the way everything's laid out, nice, clean, concise. Uh, you know, I've drove around it today, and it was, it was not too bad other than that. You know, it was it was good to see that, you know, some of Pete's work finally got his name attributed to it as opposed to Katie. Katie, God bless Christy you. Christy Abero. Yes, Christy, wherever you are. Is, oh, okay. I know who that is, but it's not me. Christy, no, wherever you are, God bless you. Best of everything. Uh, but, you know, guys, uh, go ahead and check out Pete's, uh, obviously, the new venue and everything. Uh, follow Pete over at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account, as always, a follow-back account. Um, it's We're still going strong here, guys, and you guys are still into it. And, and part of it is that, you know, me and Pete, and this will, will probably make tomorrow night's segment of this. It's fun is... We kind of got like that brother aspect, like well, there's times where we just want to argue about shit, so maybe this is probably a good time for it. So, you know, we'll get some of that stuff out on the open road. Like I had mentioned, the 18 draft cycle was a lot more fun. The 19, we kind of became more in sync. There's no way that's going to happen in 2020, but you're going to have to wait a year for that. So, um, and then as, you know, me personally, at Jeff L, uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, go ahead and throw a follow over there. But again, guys, just continue with, uh, you know, I appreciate everything, uh, the, the growth of the show. You know, so there's names now that I don't even know. I've never even interacted with retweeting shows, you know, liking the shows. And it just it, it just makes us feel good that the product we're put out and you guys enjoy, which is the whole goal of it here, obviously, anyway. So with that, we will put a cap on this. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.